Chapter twenty three of the Life and Adventures of Michael Armstrong, the Factory Boy. This is a LibriVox recording. Chapter twenty three Miss Brotherton and her friend arrive at the Deep Valley. A review. Disappointment. A sudden thought strikes the heiress. She concludes a bargain, though not the one for which she meditated. She sets out upon a walk. Mr. Timothy Smith was punctual to his appointment, and at a very few minutes past nine, Mrs. Tremlett and Mary were jogging along in the miller's jockey-cart, on a seat whereon cushions that looked very like pillows had been carefully strapped, and with a little stool placed before them, the sight of which conjured up so delightful a picture of the manner in which they should return, and the joy it would be her lot to confer and to witness, that the pretty eyes of the heiress sparkled through tears of pleasure, and she would not have exchanged her present expedition for the best party of pleasure that ever was devised by man a considerable part of the way was the same as that followed mr parsons when he conveyed michael to the factory and need not be again described the tranquil loneliness of that portion of the road which ran along the stream before it made the turn which brought the hideous prison-house in sight lulled her spirits into a state that but ill prepared her for the aspect of the grim desolate-looking dwelling into whose recesses she was about to penetrate and when it suddenly became visible something like a groan escaped her i hope that jolt didn't hurt you ma'am said the miller turning towards her here we are safe and sound and that's half my bargain at any rate the vehicle drew up to a small door in the exterior wall of the extensive enclosure in which the building stood mr smith threw the reins upon the neck of his horse and bringing his stout person cautiously to the ground offered his services to assist the two ladies in doing the same miss brotherton trembled as she stood waiting till the miller's summons at the door should be answered now that the moment was come which was to decide the question of her success or failure she no longer felt the same confidence which had cheered her while the trial was still distant and her heart sunk with anticipated disappointment several minutes of irksome delay gave her time to dwell on these oppressive forebodings and when the door was at length slowly and cautiously opened by mr woodcomb himself her pale face spoke such painful anxiety that the suspicious guardian of the unholy spot was comforted from the satisfactory conviction that her tale was true and that she came not under false pretences to look at that which he considered it to be the first duty of his life to conceal good morning smith all's right and all's ready for you walk in ladies if you please said the stern manager relaxing his habitual frown and intending to be extremely gracious mary and her friend stepped forward and heard the stout lock and two heavy bolts secured behind them this way ladies this way if you please there is no need to trouble you to enter the factory which do what we will to keep it nice can never be quite free from dust you are a trifle after your time mr smith but it's no matter dinner-time is over but if the ladies will walk into this room they shall have all satisfaction howsomever as the young uns is again at work i can't well stop the mills to march em in altogether nevertheless i don't see but it may be quite as agreeable or may be more for the ladies to look at him one or two at a time miss brotherton did not attempt to speak but placed herself in a chair near the open door and bent her head to indicate that she was satisfied with the proposed arrangement you had best walk this way with me mr smith said the amiable woodcomb the ladies look quite agitated as is but natural and would sooner be without strangers i don't doubt a proposal which truly was a welcome one to all parties for mrs tremlett and mary longed to be at liberty to speak without restraint 
mr smith was thirsting for his accustomed mug of ale and the manager himself bursting to make a few inquiries respecting his mysterious visitors have you seen the colour of their money yet friend smith were the first words uttered as they crossed the court twenty good pounds replied the miller expressively patting the pocket where the treasure lay and given as freely as if it had been twenty pence out of a full pocket-book too mr woodcomb i can tell you that and i can tell you besides that your money's as sure as the bank and your customer one as is thinking of her own concerns and not of yours that's what i'm judging too mr smith one can see in a minute if folks eyes are roving here and there up and down to take account of all they can see god grant that those poor way-faced females may find what they want and we shall both of us have made a good day's work of it i shan't wish the thing talked of that's a fact not but what i shall be ready with an answer if i'm troubled with questions people as have money to throw about like these folks are not to be put off with a short word and a lock turned in their faces it mayn't chance one in a century that any such should trouble themselves concerning the cart-loads of live lumber as we takes off to relieve the overstocked parishes but now it is come to pass in course we must manage to get through it quietly so i'm not without my answer mr smith if the squire should hear of it and make a riot no to be sure you aren't besides there's no need to say nothing replied the miller mr woodcomb in answer to this gave an assenting nod and an approving smile now then my man said he more gaily than he often uttered anything sit down here and you shall presently have a snack and a mug to keep you company i'll see myself to the turning in a few of the hands at a time to be looked at for i have been thinking the matter over master miller and i judge it will make ten times less talk and tumult that way than if they were all turned out at once i'll have out a few boys and girls together chance-like just as they come and ten to one nobody but pullet will find out that there's anything more going on than some job as i wants to get done mr woodcomb accordingly proceeded to the different parts of the large establishment and contrived without stopping the work anywhere to perform the task he had undertaken as the selected children came forth from the various rooms he told them to cross the court to the prentice-house where they would find one as wanted to look at them adding an order to come back again as quick as light if they didn't wish to be strapped dead whenever such promises were made mr woodcomb was known to be strictly a man of his word and mary and her friend had soon gazed with anxious eyes and shuddering hearts upon a greater number of half-starved trembling little wretches than could possibly have been made to pass before them in an equally short space of time by any other mode or process whatever they came so quickly in succession however that no interval was left in which miss brotherton and her faithful attendant could exchange a word on the melancholy panorama of human misery that passed before them strange and unwanted as was the spectacle of two ladies sitting in the prentice-house the cowed and frightened children for the most part did little more than stand before her with eyes and mouth wide open for a single minute and then start off again while mary herself aided the celerity of the process by a shake of the head and a wave of the hand which indicated plainly enough that they were not to stay but go what a multitude nurse tremlett she exclaimed at length her spirits worn with repeated disappointments and the contemplation of the wretched creatures for whom she knew she brought no help the train seems endless the old woman returned her a speaking look and whispered in her ear could you not question them mary might not this dismal work be shortened by your asking them if the boy is here they can't have any reason to hide him they can't be agents of sir matthew 
Mary took the hint, and said to the next young skeleton that presented itself, "'Can you tell me if there is a boy here named Michael Armstrong?' The result was a stupid and silent stare, and without answering, the child darted off like the rest. Thrice she repeated the question, but with no better success, for two out of the three were among those newly arrived to supply vacancies caused by the late mortality, and the third, from working and sleeping in another chamber, had never heard poor Michael's name. "'No!' was pronounced by this one. "'No, ma'am!' by the two newcomers, and Mary's heart almost failing her, she resumed her silent examination. In truth, there was in most of the unhappy faces that thus presented themselves, such a look of blighted intellect and dogged apathy that she clung to the ever-lessening hope of seeing the boy appear in preference to any further questioning and thus the coming and going lasted for another half-hour without a word being spoken at length the sad monotony of the spectacle was broken at least to the eyes of mary by the appearance of a little girl who though pale and lamentably thin had not yet lost thereby the sweet expression of her delicate features neither had the soul within yielded to the paralyzing influence of the hopeless helpless unvarying misery by which she was surrounded her soft grey eyes still retained their eloquent power of speaking and the look of surprise mixed with something that was almost approaching to pleasure with which she fixed them upon mary's face caused her to make a sudden movement to detain her as the child following the example of the rest was turning away at first this movement was caused entirely by the interest which the little creature herself inspired but it almost immediately occurred to her that here at length there was a chance of receiving a rational and intelligent answer to any question she might ask and such strength did this idea gain as she continued to look at the child that she told mrs tremlett to stop the approach of those who were coming on and by keeping them waiting in the court for a minute or two to give her time to see if she could not learn something from this most interesting-looking little creature mrs tremlett showed that she too thought something might now be hoped for and with great alacrity stepped out into the court to meet the fresh arrivals shutting to mary's extreme satisfaction the door of the room behind her my dear little girl said miss brotherton taking the child's pale and slender hand in hers how came you in this sad place you do not look as if you were used to it not for very long ma'am was the reply but you have been here during the last few weeks i have been here for several months answered the little girl can you tell me and mary almost gasped as she asked the question can you tell me if there be a boy here called michael armstrong the look of modest and well-pleased curiosity with which the soft eyes were fixed on mary's face was instantly changed for an expression of deep anguish for a few moments no reply was uttered and large tears were already chasing each other down her cheeks before the trembling child found voice to speak at last she uttered almost in a whisper and still looking through her tears in mary's face michael armstrong is dead dead oh do not say so cried mary in a voice so shrill as to reach the ears of mrs tremlett who immediately opening the door close to which she had been stationed entered in dismay exclaiming what is the matter mary for heaven's sake tell me was it you who cried out in such a piercing voice several of the children who were by this time assembled in the court followed at her heels thrusting open the door and staring at the scene before them shut the door nurse tremlett send them away send them all away i have no further need to see them said poor mary weeping from sorrow disappointment and complete prostration of spirits before she spoke another word mrs tremlett obeyed her instructions and gently pushing back the curious throng closed and bolted the door 
now tell me my poor dear child what new sorrow has come upon you sure nothing dreadful has happened to the poor little fellow nurse tremlett he is dead replied mary weeping afresh as if the boy had indeed been her brother lack a day for his poor mother cried mrs tremlett these are bad tidings to take home with us after all our trouble and pains oh mary dear i wish you had never left your home say not so mrs tremlett said mary recovering herself certainly it is even better than doubt and here here is one i may still save from misery what is your name my dear child and who was it sent you to this dreadful place my name is fanny fletcher said the little girl and it was mother's parish that sent me here as soon as she was dead have you no other friends no relations anywhere who could take care of you demanded miss brotherton with quickness no ma'am nobody replied fanny but in saying this the child ceased to weep and young as she was an expression of such hopeless yet enduring composure took possession of her beautiful features that mary's memory instantly applied to her byron's thrilling words my thoughts their dungeon know too well back to my breast the wanderers shrink and bleed within their secret cell tell me fanny she said tell me quickly should you not like to come away from this place i came here to take away poor michael armstrong i was to pay money for taking him and i will pay it now for you if you will tell me that you wish to come and will be a good girl to me poor michael said fanny while her tears again began to flow speak fanny shall i take you with me cried mary impatiently for she heard without the door the sound of a heavy step approaching fanny fletcher heard it too and an almost ghastly paleness spread itself over her face and lips she seemed choking and perfectly unable to articulate but clasping her hands together and dropping on her knees before miss brotherton raised her eloquent eyes to her face with a look which required no commentary open the door mrs tremlett said mary don't you hear the knocking this is the child i shall take away with me she added in a whisper and with a look that her friend perfectly understood mrs tremlett opened the door and the well-pleased mr woodcomb stood before them that's well he said looking at the kneeling child and at mary whose arm encircled her neck with an air of great complacency i thought by what those said as you sent back without looking at em that you had found what you wanted and now ladies i hope you remember the conditions do not doubt it sir replied miss brotherton instantly drawing forth her pocket-book here is a note of one hundred pounds to repay the trouble i have given you and here a second of the same value to atone for the loss of fanny's labour all right ma'am said mr woodcomb very graciously and if you had but told me that it was a little girl with a very pretty face and that her name was fanny i could have saved you all your trouble for we don't happen to have another that would answer to that description i have taken no trouble sir that i at all regret replied miss brotherton but i am anxious to set off on my return without any further loss of time will you have the kindness to inquire if mr smith is ready i don't doubt ma'am but he will be ready to obey orders though the horse have hardly been baited well yet howsomever those as pay well generally looks to have things done in a little less time than other folks and it's very right and fair that so it should be if a horse can stand he ought to go if his owner is well paid there is no doubt of it i should be sorry to distress the horse said mary and if he be not sufficiently rested we must wait at your pleasure ladies at your pleasure pray sit down and make yourselves comfortable 
and of course your ladyship would like to have this pretty little girl here made as decent as we can manage the dirtiest part of her clothes can be changed easy though the missus of the prentice house being lately dead puts us all out a little in our management however if little miss fanny as we must call her now will please to come upstairs with me i can make her look a deal better i will answer for it fanny fletcher having been raised from her kneeling position by the hand of miss brotherton still continued to hold that hand tightly and the young lady now felt so strong a compression of her fingers and was at the same time conscious of so tremulous a movement in the person of the child as she nestled closely to her that she felt persuaded the proposal of mr woodcomb had frightened her you are very kind she replied drawing the child sordid as its wretched garments were still closer to her you are very kind sir but i shall prefer taking her away exactly as i first looked upon her dear me only to think of that now that's the beauty of what's called natural affection then if you will please to keep seated i'll go tell miller smith as you're ready and all the business done so as he may set off as soon as he is able mary again thanked him for his civility but felt disposed to think that he might have executed his mission more satisfactorily when he returned in about three minutes with the assurance that master smith would be ready to start in little less than an hour an hour at that moment seemed to miss brotherton an almost interminable space of time she felt painfully conscious of being confined and pent up with sin and suffering heated agitated and impatient panting for the fresh air and longing to question her little purchased protege concerning poor michael she determined to walk forward on the road they had that morning traversed and letting mr smith and his cart overtake them should you dislike walking on mrs tremlett she said my head aches and i am sure nothing will relieve me but a walk i should like it too my dear replied her observant companion looking anxiously in her face and perfectly understanding her feelings walk ladies exclaimed mr woodcomb looking exceedingly shocked ladies such as you to walk out upon our wild moors oh dear no that is quite impossible this was said to prove at once his tender care of personages possessing the power of dispensing hundreds and to show that he was not unacquainted with the refinements of polite society but this civilly intended opposition to their exit produced on his hearers an effect very different from what he intended that fanny fletcher should tremble at the mention of delay was not extraordinary but that mary should hear again in fancy the grating sound of the locks and bars which had closed behind her as she entered and feel a sick qualm at her heart that if she were betrayed and doomed to remain in that hateful spot against her will showed that her nerves had indeed been severely shaken and that her heroism had more of zeal than strength in it mrs tremlett too looked exceedingly annoyed though certainly without the same lively recollection of the bolts and bars but she was so accustomed to consult the wishes of her young companion and to feel at ease herself only when she saw her so that she too coloured with impatience and sustaining admirably her character of aunt said i beg pardon sir but i know my niece's constitution so well that i am quite sure the jolting of that rough cart would not do for her just at present she is a great walker and a mile or so creeping along in the fresh air will do her a deal of good in course you know best ladies and i can't for certain take the liberty to oppose but by your leave i'll just mention your plan to mr smith before you start and then maybe he'll be for pushing on his horse a little so saying mr woodcomb left them when mary turning to the little girl said have you any bonnet and shawl to put on fanny i don't know replied the child not know how can that be fanny 
because i have never been out of the door since i first came into them said fanny poor dear i wish they would not keep you here any longer this is quite intolerable said mary again opening the door and looking impatiently across the dismal court keep me here murmured the little girl in a voice of the most evident terror do you think they will keep me here no no my poor child they shall not keep you here said mrs tremlett kindly here come the two men together fanny did not venture to look at them but mary did and again in spite of her reason she felt terrified at the idea that she was in their power mr woodcomb indeed looked smiling and obsequious as before but in the countenance of the burly miller there was something of opposition and displeasure that she could not understand setting off walking miss is very like bilking your driver said he with considerably more bluntness than civility what does he mean mrs tremlett said mary turning pale you had better pay the gentleman before you set out my dear that's what you mean to say isn't it sir why surely ma'am it would be more like doing business replied the man looking a little ashamed of himself is that all said mary inexpressibly relieved and drawing out her ready purse with such cheerful alacrity that could the hearts of the two men before whom she stood have been read there might have been found in both a strong inclination to profit by it a little further that i think sir is the sum you named for the hire of your vehicle said mary extending her hand with two sovereigns towards him mr timothy smith took the money but certainly thought that if that sharp-eyed rogue woodcomb had been further he might have hit upon some excuse for demanding more as it was however he could not venture it and with a rather surly inclination of the head pocketed the gold and left the room now then sir if you please said the still frightened mary we will wish you good morning yes ma'am surely you can go if you please only perhaps you might like for the honour of your young relation here to leave some little gratuity to be divided as a little treat among her late companions mary looked in his face and the sort of half-ashamed glance with which the extortioner watched the effect of his words appeared to her so sinister that with a sudden feeling of something like rational alarm she remembered that she had only a few shillings left in her purse and that again to open in his presence her still well-filled pocket-book might be dangerous aunt tremlett have you any money to lend me she said at the same time drawing out again her almost empty purse i am very sorry i have only these few shillings left but i will willingly send you five pounds sir for the purpose you mention if the miller will take the trouble of bringing it to you oh it's no matter ladies pray do not trouble yourselves any more about it replied woodcomb keeping his eyes however furtively directed towards mrs tremlett who was still engaged in seeking for money in the recesses of a very large pocket i have two pounds and a few shillings my dear said the old lady at length placing her little leathern purse in mary's hand that will do that will do perfectly said the worshipper of mammon with an air and tone of the most amiable liberality but at the same time stretching out his hand in which he received the entire contents uncounted of mrs tremlett's purse which miss brotherton unclasped and emptied into it had she studied the man's character for years she could not have devised any manoeuvre so likely to hasten the unlocking the door which enclosed them as thus emptying their two purses before his eyes he now moved forward of his own accord drew forth from the pocket of his coat the massive key applied it with a large strong and effective hand to the enormous lock drew back the heavy bolts and finally threw wide the hateful door the three females passed through it with no lingering steps 
and heard it close heavily behind them with feelings assuredly very different in degree but in so far the same that each one as she stepped over the threshold breathed a prayer that she might never repass it again End of chapter twenty three